A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com and Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station. Joining me in the podcasting shed, musician extraordinaire from America land and member of the resistance, it's Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Uh, it's fine, actually. Uh, not so much member of the resistance as I am the child carer for the member of the resistance, as it were. It's about time women started pulling their weight. I fully support your wife's actions. But Matt, we're not here to get depressed about the state of the world. We're here to talk about Formula One news. And we stand, quite possibly, at the precipice of a new era in Formula One. It's exciting times. It's very exciting times. And I I wouldn't say it's about we do. It's done and over. And interesting how that new regime is instantly being blamed for some of the sins of the old regime. Yes, Yes, heavy are the burdens of rule, as it were. So, what are we giving you that you can't get elsewhere? Well, we aim to bring you your race reviews and other shows before your Monday morning commute. This show is safe for work. We keep it clean here so you can play this at work or with kids in the background. So, Matt, this is now going out live on YouTube on my channel as normal, and we are on the Downforce Radio Facebook stream. Yep. Yep, and that is good news for us and good news for our fans because they can see exactly how well prepared we are for every show. So always add about 10 minutes to our start time. I think that's the lesson here. Guys, if you're just listening to us on the podcast, do consider following me at Spanners Ready and at Missed Apex F1 to find out when the live streams are happening. Uh, join in. We go to the comments as often as we can. Uh, as well as the live streams that are joining us, we have Chris Stevens of Formula One Spy and now and Autosport Junior. How's it going, Chris? It's going great. The uh, town is alive with electricity because my quirky little pokey local team, Sutton United, beat Leeds today. So that we're all very excited about that. Excellent. Presumably you're talking about rugby or tennis. Uh, elsewhere on the panel, we've got Ryan Ferret-Ferris. How's it going, buddy? How's it going, Spanners? 
very well. I'm full of the joys of winter and it's absolutely honking it down outside, so the shed is the best place to be. We'll catch up with you and the other panellists a bit more during the show, but rounding us off fantastically is Alex Goldschmidt. How's it going, Goldie? Evening, Spanners. Evening, everybody. I did try my absolute best to catch up with you more at Autosport, but we did get we did get 15 seconds of goodness and I touched you in real life. There you go, mate. Can't say fairer than that. But well, anyway, moving on. We would move on if I had the bumper and this is what the live streams get to see that the podcast don't see is me going oh yeah i meant to have a bumper now matt let's go on to the big dirty news i'm doing an impromptu bumper was that okay not bad how about this one big dirty news there's only one bit of big dirty news the king is dead long live the king Indeed, it took a staggering six days for Liberty to give Bernie the golden handshake and kick him upstairs where he could do way less damage or good, depending upon your point of view. But these days I'm going to go for damage seems to be the popular opinion. Oh, and, well, maybe uh, he's he just misunderstood. <laughs> emeritus and available for consulting. And the rumors have already started, my friend. Okay, well, look, let's let's just uh, focus in on what's actually happened to him because people were, you know, gleefully saying, Bernie's out. This is the end of Bernie. And it's only when I heard from him, he says, oh, I'm something like a, a nominal president now or something. So he's not out, out. It's just like he's almost like a non-executive chairman almost. Yeah, yeah. Lauda was commiserating with him about that. Oh, because that's right. That's his role at Mercedes as well. So like Lauda's role at Mercedes is basically just to throw is it basically to make his the PR officer's life hell. So is that Bernie now? Is he still going to be a mouthpiece for F1? Because unless he's out out, there's still that that chance he's going to claw himself back into a position of influence. Well, influence is one thing, um, but it's clear that his power has been greatly diminished. But I don't think liberty, in all honesty didn't want him to go away because he really does know where all the skeletons are buried and could be quite useful in getting the teams to cooperate with with their schemes as it were so so ditching him entirely would have been a very poor move on their part this was the best that was going to happen for him he's still connected to formula one he can still attend races and they know very well because of his ego he's very likely to only show up at one or two very big races just to just to be there but you know as as he said um about uh Constantin median who sued him and then were in the running to buy the sport he's like uh it's a lawsuit it's just business i expect we could sit down and have lunch so i would imagine the same is true between bernie and liberty it's just business and whenever he does turn up at a paddock he's going to get microphones shoved in his face so he's still very much going to have an influence in the sport in the media because people are going to listen to the man who's been running the sport for decades i mean let's face it they still go talk to max mosley uh, we still hear from luca de montezimolo and adam parr yeah i mean once once you're there people will always be interested in your opinion about stuff and i would imagine liberty will mostly trot him out when they're about to do something controversial so as to provoke a big sideshow to take away from what they're actually up to. All right, let's go to the panel. But first, in the Facebook live stream, Patrick Green, a big supporter of Missed Apex podcast, says, I'm trying to watch while driving. This will end in death, but looking forward to listening later tonight. Uh, we don't recommend that. 
But you know what? Actually, yeah, we do. I mean, what's more important than catching the live stream? Chris Stevens, a new era for Formula One. Bernie, in or out, will he still have an effect? Uh, I'd say so, because uh, keeping Bernie around, um, like Matt said, it's definitely the best thing for Liberty to do, because he has an awful lot of information. He knows uh, the sport inside out and how deals are made. Uh, So they'll definitely be referring to him every now and then if they need a little bit of a hand um the crucial thing you know for me about liberty sort of takeover is that you know to replace this one man they've had to basically get about eight people in to you know replace him so it just goes to show you know how much of a key influence bernie uh was in the sport um but yeah i definitely think it's a positive thing that they're sort of keeping him in the loop still you a big fan of Bernie Eccleston, are you, uh, Chris? I I think he uh, he's built something up really well over the last four decades, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, yeah he should be very proud of what what he's what he's come up with. Ah, uh, watching an F one. His nose looked to be a different color all of a sudden. Watching an F one journo who's striving for a Formula One accreditation struggle is is something to behold. Chris, would you join me in condemning his views, his anti-feminist views against women and their place in the domestic household? To be fair, I've never actually uh, read so anything you're condoning, that he said that. So you're condoning no, his sex? You liar, by the way. <laughs> no, I, no I, I, I've genuinely never uh, read anything about him saying that. Uh, I would m- most definitely disagree with such a view, though. Shaking in his voice. Matt, where are we going to next? Apologies, Mr. Stevens. Well, I, I think, you know, the, you were talking about Liberty being blamed for stuff. And the first thing that I immediately saw them blamed for, and I believe this was on Monday or Tuesday, was the fact and the sad news that Manor has officially gone under, as it were. The staff have been, yeah. oh, they are redundant. And there has been no magical buyer to once again pull their bacon from the fire. Doomed were they, Goldie? Doomed? Doomed from the beginning. Um, well, to be honest with you, it's the, the last team that came on board in 2010 that has literally been expunged from the Formula One grid. You know, we had HRT, formerly known as Hispania. We had Caterham as well, um, which I have to say had the most ridiculous nose design ever in Formula One. A car that was driven by Andre Lotter, if I'm very much mistaken, at Spa Francorchamps. Yeah, but, it was, yeah. Um, there were a lot of rumours circulating, especially with Ron Dennis having been ousted from McLaren and Zach Brown taking his place, that there was a potential buyout on the cards. But whether Ron Dennis has sought, thought better of it and thought, you know what, I've I've brought a lot to Formula One myself personally. You know, when, when you think about it, the MP41 was one of the first cars to have a composite carbon fibre tub. So he's helped bring the sport along. He's brought one of the biggest rivalries along as well, Alain Prost versus Ayrton Senna in '88. And, um, you know, he's done a lot for the sport, but I think really he probably had a sour taste in his mouth and thought better of it. Ryan? Um, well, yeah, I find it really sad that uh, Manor's, Manor is gone because it was sort of like, I don't know, it was some sort of team that uh, everyone wanted to see do well. You know, we had uh, Bianchi scoring the points in uh, in Monaco in uh, 2014 and just the amount of joy coming out uh, of the pit lane because... You know, they, they're seen as like the little, the, the little team that sort of, you know, and to be honest, fair enough for Ron Dennis not doing the whole manner thing. Cause I feel, feel that, you know, he's had such a good run in Formula One. He doesn't want to tarnish it. Yeah, Chris. 
it, it is definitely a shame that the uh, manner of uh, gone under, but uh, I think it is strange how some people are blaming Liberty for their demise. I mean, first of all, this is a team that was promised a budget cap when it entered the sport that never materialized. And um, since they went into administration um, in 2014, uh, the first time round, when they came back, they had been riding off of the money, uh, the prize money that Jules Bianchi earned them in Monaco with his ninth, ninth place finish. And uh, that only lasts for two years. And so that's expired now. They needed an investor. They didn't find it. It's got absolutely nothing to do with Liberty, who have been in charge for, well, at that point, six days. So, Chris, I want to ask you the difference. What, what do you think is the difference between Haas and these um, new teams? But first, in the chat room, welcome to the YouTube chat room. Hannah says, Bernie won't stop being powerful in F1 until he's been dead for about 40 years. And by this point, Bernie seems to be immortal. Uh, apparently, he is like Keith Richards. Chris Stevens, why have Haas been able to do so much better than the three teams that came in? And, and why, why couldn't there be something you know, to equalise between the two? If Mana were under some kind of previous agreement, surely it made sense to, to, for the sport to give them a, a leg up. Well, yeah, the crucial difference for, between Haas and the other three teams really is the promised budget cap, which never came. So they were spending a lot of money that they then were not going to get back. Uh, and uh, really, Haas have done something really different in uh, their technical partnership with Ferrari. So they've had a lot of parts supplied for Ferrari. They've got Delara to, do, to design the chassis for them. Um, and it's it's just helped them. To be fair, they're also generally just a lot richer than Manor are and that's helped as well and you can see they've done more in one race their first race than they managed to uh the Manor managed to achieve in eight years ryan ryan yeah well obviously uh hrt uh manor which was virgin at the time and uh Catrum sort of were coming in uh with well, not not much money, you know. Catrum was being run by some uh, bloke who already was uh, running or owning a failing Premier League team, and um, where Hasses came in, and they've already got motorsport history with their NASCAR, so they've already got experience in the uh, field of motorsport, and they've also got the money that Chris has already said. Just to add to that, um, it, it would be easy to say that Hass have had a really, you know, easy time of it by comparison. But you've got to remember that the sport is a lot more complicated now than it was back in 2010. Um, the cars themselves are so fantastically uh, complicated that just putting a, a car together isn't, you know, it's not as simple as it was back in the day. I mean, uh, was it Virgin with the first car, uh, first team to design a car with uh, purely on CFD? So, yeah, and that worked out just about as well as we thought it would. So the, the real issue is, of course, correlation between CFD and the real world in the wind tunnel. That's where you make your gains. But, you know, I, w- I would add to whatever it was you were saying that I was ignoring that the real issue with Haas is that they basically got their start as a junior Ferrari team. I mean, let's not forget they had Ferrari engineers. Yeah. It, and they worked with Ferrari. Uh, they were outside of the FIA rules on development until they actually signed in. Remember that extra season that they sat out? They worked with Ferrari so much that Mercedes, at the last race of the year, applied to the FIA and got a whole new set of technical directives written about exactly how this sort of thing could run in the future. 
And if Mercedes had sent engineers to Manor for like, say, six months and then brought them back, you might you might have seen Manor. Yeah performing as Haas did throughout a season. And this is the point that Paul Wright in the chat room is making. Hi, Paul. Um, got to be the Ferrari collaboration business model. And then he further adds that it's a shame that Haas still can't find brakes that work. Um, Niles just making the point saying still a bit of a sore point for him when we mentioned Bianchi. And sure it is. I understand that. But I think to not talk about his sporting contribution in, in spite of the fact that there's been a tra- tragedy, would kind of be shameful. So I think when any sporting issue comes up that invo- involves Jules Bianchi, we don't shy away from that. We we treat it completely as we would with any other driver, Matt. And I think you'd agree that's the way to go. In fact, that's the way to sort of honour the memory, really. Yeah, I would think so. He was a driver. He loved driving. That was his passion. To to not talk about his biggest contribution to the sport, scoring that point and. Um, Monaco would be, I think, the exact opposite of what his wishes would have been. And it was Forsaken, sorry, that was saying still can't find brakes that work. And uh, Chris, what was your point about brake by wire? Uh, yeah, Forsaken was um, kind of talking about Brembo, um, uh, who are suppliers of uh, Haas for their brakes. Obviously, Haas have had a few uh, brake issues across the season, um, but it's not just you know the brake material; it's about the brake by wire. And the actual, you know, the disconnection from the actual brake pedal to the brakes itself, uh, which has been a thing since the hybrid era started. It's a vastly complicated system and it's not something that is easily fixed. All right, Matt, where are you taking us? We, uh, we ended up diverting away from Bernie into Liberty getting the blame for mana and mana and why has did better than that and then brakes. So, uh, we, we are still on the topic of Bernie, Matt. Yeah, I think we should bring it back. And and I don't know about you, Scatters, but but to my mind, the thing about Bernie is, is that uh, kind of like the city I live in is just too complicated to just say you love it or you hate it. You know, if if you live here long enough, you both love and hate New York for a lot of very good and valid reasons. And I, I think Bernie's kind of the same way. You can't argue with him building up the sport, but at the same time, every single one of the problems that everyone complains about right now have to kind of be laid at his feet because he built this. So he has to own it in a way. So I was curious to see what our other panelists thought, like like both the best and the worst thing that he brought to, to the sport. Well, I think we kind of, we want to have our cake and eat it, don't we? And I know Goldie's got a view on that. But yeah, I mean, he, he it wouldn't be the F1 it is without him. Yet we have obviously yep. complaints. So is it a case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater or is it just a cultural phenomenon overtaking its original creators, Alex? I think really one of the biggest things is um, how Bernie was so instrumental in providing the international rights for all the television channels around the globe, which, you know, he he's earned quite a few bucks from that and he's sitting pretty on a, on, on a very good gold mine. But, you know, he, he came into the sport first as a failed driver then also came in, um, I remember famously, this was actually quite funny, that he bought Brabham and then Murray Walker asked him a question. And he said, Bernie, you've, um, you bought McLaren 17 years ago. <laughs> he said, I don't remember anything about buying McLaren, Murray. But what he's, he's been very shrewd in negotiating the, the sliding scale deals with all the circuits, getting new circuits on board um, and being able to flourish it in a term where you know, yeah, the ticket prices in some places, Monte Carlo, no exception, are very, very much inflated. But he's also brought along the Paddock Club. You know, there are investors that are in this sport for the long haul. And, you know, you've got 
several feeds, which includes the UK, um, the US, who have major broadcasters on board. I mean, like, say, for example, Australia's coverage is provided pretty much by uh, the voices on there, David Croft and Martin Brundle, when it comes to race time on uh, on Fox Sports, because it's part of the Murdoch Empire. Um, But Bernie's way in how he's been able to work these deals to not just his advantage, but also Formula One's advantage has actually helped the sport to grow. But he's been very much against bringing in hybrid tech. And I think that's one of the biggest failings that, you know, there were so many different changes happening like every five, six years where we go through a complete new generation of tech. And it was sort of like the ball was dropped on that where hybrid tech in some respects has not been um, has not been um, explained fully to the general public. So they have no understanding of it. Um, but now we're going to see another rule change within what three years of the hybrid era starting up and it's going to hopefully with Liberty coming on board that's going to change things a little bit in how things are explained in layman's terms to the general public. I'll just pick up on that last point you're talking basically about you know have they sold uh, the hybrid era properly and Bernie was one of the the worst at that because he came out basically in 2014 and he was saying, these are terrible, I can barely hear the cars. He was probably the one that gave the most impetus to the criticism of the V6 era. So he's not he's not really helped that, has he? No, no, not, far, no. no far from it. Ryan. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, because, well, you know, that's the thing about Bernie, is he comes up with some outlandish things and it's what like attracts people to the sport it's like he's saying this ridiculous thing people in the know are like yeah he's he's talking rubbish and then you've got other people that are sort of like oh my god they're gonna do this they're gonna do that oh bernie eccleston's saying they're gonna put sprinklers on the circuits to make people go uh so there's gonna be more wet races and all that sort of stuff to be honest that was one of the things that i liked about bernie eccleston his uh sense of humor even when his uh his uh, mother-in-law got kidnapped. He uh, still was uh, saying stuff. Oh, I didn't really care. She didn't really say much anyway about uh, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> all right, Matt. So I think what is the general consensus there? Has he been has he been amazing or a villain or both? Well, I don't know. I think we should put it to Chris Stevens. Chris Stevens, oh. a force for good. Bernie Eccleston, categorically in detail. Do you think he's terrible or what? No, he, you got to say any any leader is uh, both good and bad, you know. Oh, this is uh, painful. <laughs> no, no, I like I like the way you put that though because he, he, you know, he's got the attributes of of both, doesn't he? You know, in the way that he's built something up, and yes, as the sports leader, he is he's got to take responsibility for um, the sports downfalls, um, but I think he's handled quite a lot of those. Quite graciously. Would you say that, that, you know, there's been quite a lot of alleged corruption? What would you make of that in, in you know, in track deals and things like that and, and, and sucking the soul out of the European season for his own personal gain? I'm not, I'm not the one inside the, the meeting rooms when those deals take place, so I couldn't possibly comment on that. Have you forgotten about the trial in Germany or the tax case in Britain there, Chris? I'm, uh, I'm not sure I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, save him. Ryan, save him. Well, I've got a couple of things. Am I the only person who, when I read the news that Bernie was out, am I the only person that had munchkins in my head saying, ding dong, the witch is dead, witch old witch, the wicked witch. Well, am I the only person who thought that? Anyone? No, no, no you weren't. I thought that as well. <laughs> uh, okay. And 
and also one one thing with the track uh the track thing was i if bernie had stayed and well silverstone would have not renewed their contract in 2018 and it would have possibly gone to donnington because bernie owns supposedly all of the surrounding hotels around donnington park and so my thoughts were that had bernie still been in power that's where the british grand prix would be Okay, so it's clear. It is clear that Bernie wants to still be in power. And Matt, I will say to the Miss Apex audience that I have grown up in an era where F1 and Bernie are interlinked, are synonymous with each other. Yet, I definitely feel like we had got to the point where in order to claw back a little bit of we what we want from F1, which is, you know, Formula One in European circuits, where the fans are, in all fairness, um, wanting to be able to go to Silverstone with my kids, Hopefully that will change in the upcoming era. You know, the track deal was not good for me because they were talking about taking out £1,000 loans to attend a GP weekend and paying for it all throughout the year for one event. That's not the way to make people fall in love with the sport, um, nor is making me pay 70 quid a month to watch it on Sky TV. So it's not as accessible and it's not as easily to fall in love with for my son as it was for me. But Matt, the, the point is, Bernie didn't want to go. Bernie wanted to stay in F1 for the rest of his life. So where did it go wrong? Why isn't Bernie Eccleston controlling Formula One right now? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of, I think, linked to the worst decision he made, which couldn't even be categorized as worse except for in hindsight. But before I get to that, I did tweet you that picture of the father and daughter at the Rolex 24. I tweeted out a picture of it uh, about 12 hours ago. And I think that might be something we can look forward to, the fans being made to feel more invited and getting more people out the door to an actual event. I think and it's going to be one of Liberty's big things. But in terms of Bernie, he's done a lot. But the issue for him, I think, is one of, of scale. His model worked very well, but it, it has not scaled to the modern corporate environment where you have Mercedes and Red Bull spending the kind of money that they spend. He has not been able to provide the level playing field by bringing in revenue to match that for the independent teams. This is where Formula One has failed, and it failed fundamentally because he got into bed with CVC and thinking he could get out by floating floating shares on the Singapore market in 2008. And what CVC did was in order to pay their shareholders dividends is they borrowed money against Formula One. And currently, as of the sale of Formula One, it was $4.1 billion they have borrowed. And that debt uh, is is going to Liberty as part of the sale. And when the markets crashed and they couldn't float the shares for Singapore, that put them in a world of hurt. They tried again in 2013 and were unsuccessful. And at that point, the clock was running. That debt was staring at CVC. CVC was in no way going to act, had any intention of having to pay it back themselves, which meant the business had to be sold. And if it was going to be sold with the debt, then Bernie was probably not going along for that ride because whoever was buying it was going to use it for their own purposes. And I think the purposes Liberty have in mind and that they want to use it for are going to be entirely different to Bernie building his personal little fiefdom. Hannah in the chat says, Bernie's dictatorship worked in the late 70s and 80s, but not anymore. Forsaken has said, yeah, 
Bernie's been great for the sport, but his way of running things and doing things is archaic. And Ray Parker, a new voice in the chat room, welcome Ray. Exactly. Every person who's taken to leadership on Bernie's level or higher is both good and bad, perhaps to extremes. You couldn't do what he has done with a normal person's conscience. And I think that's an incredibly good point. (laughs) (laughs) Too true. Well, shall we move on to Liberty then? I think we should. Let's move on to the future, and I hope the future of Missed Apex podcast still contains the support of our fantastic and wonderful patrons. I don't say it enough, but for those of you who have taken the time to go to Patreon and support Missed Apex podcast, a massive thank you. This show is brought to you by and powered by you, and we really appreciate it. Um, if you feel that our podcast is worthy of your support and you're a person who supports podcasts, then please consider going to Patreon dot com and searching for missed apex podcast uh we're asking for people for one or two bucks a month to throw in the tip jar uh this has powered things like this lovely high pr 40 mic so i hope you think that the audio that it brings has been worth the upgrade we've upgraded the studio here and we're upgrade we're, we're upgrading our brooklyn studio as well matt so i'm hoping we can compensate you for some of your outgoings as well i never say no to money Money is brilliant. So guys, none of it is being taken as beer money. Yes, we have aspirations to drink beer with it in the future, but for now, it is really keeping the lights on. It's paying for our hosting fees. It's paying for website fees. It's paying for the equipment. It's paying for the sound you hear. So thank you very much. Matt, the future is Liberty Media. How are they going to make things better? And when? Now. I want it now. I'm fed up of waiting. Well, unfortunately for you, there's this thing called reality. Now, um, Liberty released a, a four point plan earlier in the week, uh, four things. And then, of course, plus Ross Braun and Sean Bratches as well from ESPN. And the first thing that they talked about, the big difference, and I think this just highlights when we talk about scale, this highlights it is marketing, uh, marketing and sponsorship acquisition. How many people do you suppose in Formula One were, were working on sponsorship acquisition when Liberty acquired the sport? Now, I happen to know this, possibly because you told me, but the number is one. There was one single person uh, working on it. So does it just mean that he wasn't capable of it? He didn't think that was his business model? Or was it just that he, he, he put wealth acquisition, uh, instead of focusing on sponsorship, he was putting it a lot on attracting, you know, investors and, and, and that side of it, rather than seeing it as like a marketing tool. It's never been part of his business model. Uh, for comparison, uh, Major League Baseball here in the United States, which I would guess would be roughly comparable to Premier League over there, has 80 people working on that same subject. And how many people do you think they had in the Formula One marketing department? That's right. A big fat goose egg. No one. Wow. No, no one at the corporate level of Formula One working on marketing. And that's because Bernie's model fundamentally depended on the circuits to do all of the advertising and marketing for him. In other words, he put the onus on the circuit to do the marketing and use that to leverage the brand around the world, which worked when the sport was relatively unknown and had kind of a halo effect wherever it went. But as we've seen in Korea and as we've seen in India, you can build a Formula One track at a new place, and it's not necessarily going to guarantee loads and loads of economic development down the line. That model has been disproven by, well, reality, if nothing else. 
And this is going to be an area where I think Liberty, uh, with their expertise, is going to make a huge, huge difference. They have access to their whole suite of corporations, including Live Nation, who basically that is their job. That is what they do. They market and put together massive events. This is they. This is their core expertise, and they're going to be able to leverage that to make Formula One much more of a household and popular topic, not just in Europe, where it's fairly saturated, but in some of the new markets that races have been going to, including, I've got my fingers crossed, the United States here. If your country survives the next couple of years, uh, not to make light of that, by the way, that's horrendous. Our hearts are with you, Matt. Our hearts are with you. Um, but how will that change the F1 we actually see? So what are we going to see? Like more, more advertising? It, it feels like we're, we're marketed to. It feels to us as if we're marketed to. I think what you're going to see is a lot of cross promotion and you're going to see new sponsors in the sport. Um, they talked about, uh, in terms of governance, working with the teams to leverage their uh, F1 intellectual property in new ways. So you're going to see Formula One working with teams to take their intellectual property and get it out into the world. And no, I'm not talking about like for the Super Bowl where you have the Tostitos bag that you breathe into and it tells you if you're drunk or not. I'm not talking about that kind of intellectual property. But think about Williams with their Kurs device that now is on buses all around the world that has actually been one of the reasons we thought of them as being closer to the Mercedes and the Red Bulls than to the Force Indias and the, um, well, the Lotus, as it were. Uh, it's because they had intellectual property they were able to sell around the world. I think Formula One with Liberty will work with the teams to help them develop independent revenue streams based on what they create in order to race in the sport. And that's something that's not really been explored at all. Marketing chat. Chris Stevens, have you got input on that? Well, I tell you that mine would simply be a static sign that says, yes, Banners, you are drunk. <laughs> um Nothing really that uh, I can't add that Matt hasn't already touched on. It was on comprehensive, to. uh, wasn't it? It was, but I felt like I should go to someone else for, you know, just for manner's sake, really. So why don't we move on to the digital side of things? Because uh, I know you've got a big opinion on this, Chris. Uh, it's it's shameful, isn't it, how inaccessible Formula One has been to somebody at a computer who just wants to look at some Formula One. Yeah, Formula One really only discovered social media in 2015, and I think Liberty really want to expand on that. But the big thing for them is live streaming, which, of course, Formula One doesn't really Mm -hmm. do. And that's something they want to make available. And I think that's going to be a huge thing because it's just about drawing people in. Because at the moment, if you want to watch Formula One on a regular basis, you've got to be committed. Or if you want to watch Formula One sporadically, you've got to be committed. So it's not too favorable to the likes of the casual fan. And that's what Liberty wants to focus on more. Yeah, and and that's interesting because we can look, uh, like, for example, here in the United States, um, they just had the Rolex 24, which I had the worst time viewing. It was very, very difficult for me to view here in the United States because I no longer um, subscribe to uh, cable channels. I just have computer service. Very, very difficult. On the other hand, if I want to watch WEC, I pay my money for the app, the app comes up, I get live timing, and I I can watch the race that happened all the way up until the next race happens. I don't even need a DVR. It's just there, and I can go watch it whenever I want. It's fantastic. The WEC app, I'd say, is currently the gold standard. And I think, uh, looking at Liberty, the app is going to be what they want to do. They're going to want you to pay yearly for the app to see 
Formula One, and they'll offer you tiers. So the level one, you get the race and timing. Level two, you get the race and timing, and you can go back and watch. And level three, you get, you know, all the way up to you follow the ba- follow the drivers into the bathroom if you want. I have no idea where they're going to go with this. But the other big yeah. missing piece of the puzzle is YouTube clips. Yeah. Right now, if you go to a GP, you can't take a Periscope or a YouTube and put it up. And that's huge advertising for the sport that is yeah. utterly yeah. lost. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, me and Ryan, sorry, I'm getting feedback from somebody. I don't know why, but Ryan, you and I were at uh, the Battersea E-Pre for the Formula E finale. We have had a video of the car smashing into each other at turn two on lap one. We posted it up, and not only was there no resistance to it, um, the, the company in charge of Formula E retweeted that and said, hey, check out this great video on YouTube. And that's, you know, that got a lot of, traction and you know it's it's a really common sense approach that formula one is why are they so guarded about that kind of thing because people they want that people to pay their money to uh be able to watch it at a premium not over the free expense of youtube but but alex i mean it, it, for old sweats like us yes maybe there's this concept of you pay for what you get but the younger generation they expect to have things kind of free at the point of access and pay for it by being advertised to or taking out micropayments for things or contributing on patreon patreon.com forward slash mistapex <laughs> <laughs> and he had to do a cheeky little plug there I'll, i'm gonna use a tin top reference and i do will it, give you very it, very good reason why there's two series i'm going to mention here one of which i follow um due to my involvement with touring cars yes i do like my formula one but i do love my tin tops as well tcr international series Every single race is broadcasted live on YouTube. Every yeah. are free for everyone to watch. That is the, basically they actually follow the F1 circus as well over the, the course of the season. DTM was an, is another one that uses YouTube to its advantage. Unfortunately, over here in the UK, it, it, this is this is where it can happen that you get um, broadcaster rights. Um, how can I say cross uh, cross confliction and BT sport over here in the UK have the rights to DTM. So you can watch the qualifying, but you can't watch the races. Which brings up an interesting point is I hear that those of you over in the UK are suffering some channel anxiety with sky. Aren't you in that? Go on. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan, yes, there in. is with regards to, with regards to discovery. Man, um, and I think Ryan is frantically waving his finger there to get involved. Well, well yeah, because this is potentially because my parents pay for the uh, Sky subscription. This is potentially <laughs> what <laughs> possibly the most millennial so statement little, I've ever heard. He's such a Even I pay on Sky subscription, man. Come on. Potentially, this is what will end up stopping me from watching all the races live this season because my dad watches Eurosport a lot, obviously because it's got the British Superbikes, the World Superbikes, XYZ, and all of the cycling on it. If Eurosport gets taken off a of Sky, then we dad's going to stop his um, Sky subscription and we'll probably go elsewhere, which means that we won't be able to get Sky Sports F1. No, I, I I didn't get a chance to check this out for various reasons, but but correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Stevens, auto journalist extraordinaire. D- don't don't all of these things have something in common? They do. They were recently uh, 
uh, well, not recently, but they're owned by a certain media conglomerate. Um, I they just bought some like really low tier sport. I can't remember what it was. Oh well, no way, it was Liberty Media. That's right. They're all <laughs> run at the ultimate level by John Malone and. Not everyone in the UK may know this, but he made his bones in cable TV in the early 70s. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 70s. Crisscrossing the country, selling his TV services to towns. And he became known as one of the most ruthless negotiators, one of the most ruthless negotiators to the point where he would occasionally stop running channels and simply run advertisements. Call your mayor now so that you can have TV again. Imagine that. And so what do you suppose it is? that might cause him to yank all of his programming off of Sky. What could he possibly be after? Hmm. I don't know. Alex? The... Um, well, yeah, because um, it's 13 channels, uh, which includes Eurosport. Um, and it's effectively that Eurosport, who actually host, who actually do the live broadcast for the World Touring Car Championship on Eurosport, um, they're wanting a better deal because they're they're getting a bit peeved with um, Sky, and the this this is effectively that um, Discovery is this is actually on the RadioTimes.com. So Radio Times is our basically bible for all our terrestrial channels, so BBC, ITV. Um, Discovery UK is threatening to pull its programming from Sky after accusing the service of refusing to pay a fair price for its thirteen channels. And the statement Discovery claimed that it is currently paid less than less by Sky than it was a decade ago and saying that negotiations had reached an impasse. Okay. Yeah, do, you, do you know how much money Discovery actually want, though? They, they want one billion pounds for a year <laughs> of broadcasting. One billion dollars. Yes. I will oh, be cue a- Dr. Evil. One Billion. I will be honest. This is where I'm going with this in, in my head. Now, obviously, this is all speculation. I don't think they want the money. But Sky clearly has something that Liberty would like dearly to possess. And that is Sky's Formula One coverage. Number one. And number two, probably 
they also have a broadcast agreement that precludes them from using things like YouTube and social media and having their own app in that region. Now, John Malone is a very, very, very smart person. He has, he has at least one PhD, uh, if not multiple ones, in engineering and in mathy kind of subjects. And he is, you know, he's one of the most powerful media people on the planet. And he and Murdoch have worked together before in the past, but then they've also been bitter rivals. And it, it may be that this is all really about something other than what it's actually about. And this is Liberty trying to set themselves up to move Formula One into the future. And that this is his negotiating tactic. He may have gone in sweetly and softly, but it looks like he's swinging a pretty big stick right about now. Ryan put in the chat room that Mexico Turn 1 in 2016 won't happen this season because the drivers will find a wall across the runoff. That's hilarious. You should have said that with words instead of typing it into the chat room. Forsaken says, Formula One needs to emulate MotoGP's online presence. Good online, live streaming service, including the feeder series, and a good mobile app. Uh, Esteban is commenting that in Argentina, fans can watch F1, sorry, can't watch F1, if they don't have satellite TV. Last year, the Latin American F1 channel was added to their digital pack. Uh, and in Denmark, Niall is telling us that it has one channel with the rights to watch everything, but you have to pay for that exact channel. Uh, Hannah Hassel, in um, her very first, I believe, comment of the week, says in response to Forsaken's comment about MotoGP, yeah, but bikes are witchcraft. Comment of the week. Well, everyone is entitled to their opinion, but interestingly enough, with regards to Sky, as I was um, speaking about the discovery matter a bit earlier, um, Sky Sports actually have exclusive rights from 2019 to fully broadcast, don't they? Indeed they do. To show it live, yeah. Indeed they do. And I, I think that's why you're seeing the negotiations now is really setting them up for that. Either they're going to get a whole lot of money from Sky, they're going to break away, or they're going to get what they want, and they're going to do a deal that's not just all about money. Moving on to governance, but before we do, Chris Stevens, you recently got accepted onto the Autosport Juniors program. I have to say that's very, very exciting. You've been churning out a high-quality standard of Formula One written journalism for a long time. You're, you're a young man, but you are on the button of Formula One news. That's why we have you on, because we know that we can go to you on any F1 topic. You are well-researched and uh, a budding young professional. What does this Autosport Junior program do for you? Is this your launch pad into the world of basically becoming Will Buxton? Um, sort of. It it's, can sort of be whatever I choose it to be in a way. Um, essentially, um, they'll sort of train me up with weekly classes and... Um, once I'm up for it, they'll they'll send me out to a paddock, some grassroots motorsport. Um, if uh, I get particularly well acquainted with the series, I might stick with that series, or they might send me out to go and do lots of other little bits. And uh, a lot of people on the program they grow up to do amazing things for autosport or with the uh, motorsport news and the motorsport network. Um, some of them go on to do uh, PR. Aaron Rook, who now works for Williams in the PR department, he he was an autosport junior. So there are plenty of opportunities that uh, are sort of going to come my way now, hopefully, if I do a good enough job. 
it's very exciting and obviously i imagine you know they will put you through the mill and you'll get in what you put in get out what you put in i can do this i can talk <laughs> yeah they uh there's definitely a few hoops you have to jump through they really do uh put you through your paces but i enjoy that good and to be honest i mean these you young guys nowadays you don't feel like your apprentices apprenticeships should involve making tea and sweeping up i genuinely hope they put a broom in your hand as talented as you might be you're like 12 I'm top well, barrister at work. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I've done, you know, 18 months of asking people if they want a 5p bag at work. Uh, I, I feel like I've, uh, I'm owed my dues. Actually, yeah, 18 months on the, on retail shop floor is, uh, is enough for anyone. No, fair enough. Best of luck, Chris. Very, very exciting. I uh, hope we can give you a nice audio vocal platform in the meantime before you become super famous. And not to mention that you've had opportunities on Talk Sport as well. Very exciting to hear you on the 3am shifts. I've caught them while I'm at work. You can play them all back. Uh, it's been great to hear you on there. Yeah, I uh, also broke through in Australia this week as well because ABC Australia wanted to talk to me about the Liberty takeover as well. So, Well, there you go. <laughs> you tell them about the old Spanners place while you're there or you can never come on here again. <laughs> no, I'm not, do. don't laugh. I'm not joking. Matt, let's move on to some governance. How are Liberty Media going to run Formula One? Well, one would hope better, in a word. Um, I think they are really going to try and reach out to the teams to get them properly involved in the sport in a way that doesn't compromise the sporting aspect of it, which is why they brought in uh, Ross Braun. Now, this and was a very populist move, wasn't it? Like, if you wanted to make F1 fans happy... It, this was a great hire, regardless of if he's brilliant or not. In reality, as a people, crowd pleaser, they've done exactly the right thing. No one can complain because this is what we wanted. Yeah, actually, um, and I'm going to talk about your your favorite subject, Lewis Hamilton, here in a second. He's so good, is, though. I, I, he's so good at driving a car. Have you seen him? He's brilliant. He's really fast than that. And he was robbed as well. It was a fix, I'm telling you. Absolutely. But I, I would ask you, because I've seen people saying, oh, but the teams are always their self-interest. And one of one of Braun's one of Braun's uh, most important points is he wants a five year plan. He wants to look long term down the road for what the sport needs. He wants to think about it and put it together. So the good news about that is this is what Formula One has really needed. It's needed someone to sit down and say, this is what the sport is. And the teams and everyone will have to adapt to it. The bad news about it is well, five years, it's not exactly going to be fixed tomorrow, is it? He's mentioned, he's had some thoughts on the current formula that might be implemented in 2018 or 2019. And so clearly he's been working on it. But really, we're not going to see the full impact of these changes until the regulation changes in 2020. But what I wanted to go back to was a lot of people think that the teams are going to be unmanageable. Who's, who could possibly manage the teams? Well, I just ask you to cast your mind back to Malaysia in 2014, where Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg, was it five laps in a row, six laps in a row, seven laps in a row? One of them would pass down the back straight, the other one would pass down the front straight, and they were burning their tires, they were melting their tires and destroying their engines. And finally, Ross gets on the radio and says, says uh, hold your stations, we need you to finish the race in one piece. And both drivers, respected him enough to do what he asked and he is one of the few people out besides bernie i would say that carries that kind of weight in the paddock and it's a really important thing that liberty have him in there yeah chris 
And Nico definitely wasn't happy about uh, that call, but he respected it nonetheless. And you're right, Ross's uh, plan of uh, you know looking long term is it's only going to be better than what we've got now, which Formula One's been quite a reactive sport. It tends to make kind of really quick uh, decisions about you know fans are complaining about this, let's do something about this now. And what you've ended up getting with is just a, se- a, a series of very short term solutions, which has kind of led us to where we are now, which isn't the best place the sport has been at the moment. So a long term plan is definitely the way forward. Yeah. And, and I suspect a more organized one right now. The team say something to Charlie. Charlie writes something on the back of a napkin and it's done. I suspect <laughs> there will be a more formal and inclusive and final way that the teams are going to be allowed to have input that will isolate the person making these decisions from the kind of influence there that, that Charlie is currently subject to, which is like, you know, oh, we're going to leave this sport, blah, 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 yak, yak, yak. I, I see that there will be a completely different organization in place where the teams feel they have proper input, all of the teams, not just some of them, have proper input into the long-term running of the sport in such a way that everybody feels like the playing field is leveled off that they should continue to be invested in. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, what we were saying earlier about how when are Liberty going to change things, you're definitely going to notice the commercial and marketing side of it first in the next couple of years in terms of technically changing the sport. I think uh, your prediction of 2020 is about right because that's when the Concord Agreement expires. That's when we can start renegotiating uh, entry fees and making the sport cheaper for the teams and actually start to uh, redesign the cars so that the sport is simpler. Okay, yes. Matt. Matt, let me just... Uh... You know, I'm starting to think that Lewis Hamilton's quite a divisive character in Formula One. Let me just read the chat room from after we mentioned Lewis Hamilton. Uh, so there was, yo, Braun is back. And then there's Hamilton. Then there's boo. And then there's a slightly longer boo. And then there's a Lewis. And then there's a Lulu Shamilton and an ouch. Quite split, really. Yeah, well, all publicity is good publicity. <laughs> back to you, Matt. We're still talking about governance. I switched off. Um, unless anyone else has anything to add, I, I, I think for me that covers it at least. No, I want to move on to the GP experience. Now, I know you are going to have to go, Matt. So when you go, me and Chris are going to argue about what level of rules and racing rules you should have. So, so how do you feel the GP experience? Do you mean for the viewer or for the teams? Oh, I think it's very much for the viewer, not just the viewer at home but the viewer who goes to the actual venue. and But first, this is one of these things, as someone who is not a journalist and doesn't even pretend to be one, but it still just bugs me greatly. I, all week long, I want to turn every GP into a Super Bowl, every GP into a Super Bowl. You know what I did? I got out my Google and I looked up the quote. The quote is unquestionably talking about GPs. It is a Super Bowl every other week. They're not saying they're going to turn it into a Super Bowl. They're saying Liberty's perception of it is the level of the event and the international flavor of it and the number of viewers is such that every GP is a Super Bowl. Their job is to promote it and expand it and to make it more accessible to more people. Because if the ticket's too expensive and people don't come to the venues, then you don't get the word of mouth and the social media advertising that clearly they want to leverage. And this is where Sean Bratches, who's been at ESPN forever and has been very successful, He's going to make his big mark. He's going to bring in the expertise that Liberty has. And I, I suspect you'll see some changes also in terms of the fees charged to the circuits and the way the advertising gets divvied up on top of it. Yeah, Chris. 
I think what Liberty's kind of template is going to be to start off with is uh, the US Grand Prix in Texas last year, where we had uh, lots of big names at concerts and all this stuff going on over the weekend. And, you know, they want it to be more than just racing. I think there's going to be lots of other stuff for people to enjoy. And almost like Formula E, where they have the the E-Village and the Fan Zone, make it a family event as well. And uh, what you you mentioned about um, cheaper circuit deals as well, definitely that is 100% on high on their agenda chase carey's already been responding to the news about silverstone potentially being dropped from the calendar because they definitely do not want to lose silverstone for a grand prix venue no it's it's practically the formula one home grand prix in a lot of ways because most of the teams are based in england yeah but first grand prix as well yeah and and I don't know. To me, like, uh, and again, this goes back to the very difference about the way Bernie ran things. Basically, what they want to do is, and this is again a quote from the, from, from, I believe, uh, Bratches or from Kerry, they want to pivot from a very deal oriented platform, which is the way Bernie ran it, to one with a single long term vision that is focused on a, and I'm hoping you can help me here, Chris, because I, I don't know. Maybe I got this from motorsport.com. Maybe they need to hire me as a proofreader. I used to do that many years ago. A very cadence business strategic approach to running the business. I don't know. Either his speechwriter needs help or they need a proofreader. Because what the heck does that mean exactly? Well, I think I know what he meant, but really. That's a word sound. Yeah, it's, not a, it's not a term I've come across before. Um, but um, I like their... Um, I've got the point I was going to make. Just cut no, I'm not going to cut it. Everyone can be exposed to your incompetent podcasting talent. We're going to have to say goodbye to Matt Trumpets. I'll tell you what, Matt, as you're leaving, though, what's very clear is that the viewing experience is very, very important to our chat room. I mean, that's basically what they've been talking about while you've been talking about governance. It's we just want to watch it more. We just want to watch it on YouTube. We want to see old clips of Formula One. We just want to consume content. We are a heavy consuming culture now. We don't want to watch it only when you want to watch it. We want to watch it where we want to watch it and when we want to watch it. Yep, and that's going to be the big problem for Liberty to solve because in the nature of the different deals with the different broadcasters is in a lot of markets, they even if they want to do it, they're not allowed to. Okay, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? At MattPT55 on the Twitters, of course. Best place to look for me. Just ask my wife. And speaking of, you can always look for her books. Amanda Weaver on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any electronic bookshop near you. And you can find a link to that on my homepage at www.spannersready.com. That's two plugs for one. We reluctantly say goodbye to you, Mr. Trumpets, as we move on and talk about racing. Mr. Goldsmith, before we do, we generically go to you and yell at you for being a fan of tin tops. Yes, you are somebody who follows you know, racing series where contact doesn't really matter because the wheels aren't exposed. It's bumper cars. But specifically, what is it you cover for Downforce Radio? Well, for Downforce Radio, I'm part of the commentary team. Um, so I did the um, auto, well when we had the Auto Sports Show last year. I've I've done the Formula Ford Festival uh, back in October at Brands Hatch. Uh, also did uh, covered British truck racing as well and the Fun Cup nice. Championship at Silverstone. Yeah, so very uh, good. Yeah, quite a lot. But also I do cover the DTM Deutsche Tourenwagen Meisters for TouringCars.net, and I'm soon to be. They're Germany editor because we're moving into TCR Germany for this year. And recently, I've just joined MotorsportDays.com, who list over two and a half thousand European track and test days. Uh, 
um, as one of their contributors, and uh, I've just recently done some commentary for the British Rental Cart Championship in Milton Keynes. Excellent, excellent. Something that I was dying to to get involved with, but frankly, frankly, I'm not of the stand where I wouldn't embarrass myself. Uh, yes, that's of course Bradley <laughs> Philpot and our own Alex Van Jean get involved with yes. that. It looked like a, a great event. Um, Mate, uh, uh, I, I, I have to say, hats off to Ruben Bootens for getting four in a row. I mean, he is rental cart's equivalent of Max Verstappen. He's won it four years on the bounce since they've held it at Formula Fast, but um, the action I got, I left I left Manningtree at 6.30 in the morning. I got home at midnight, but it was one of those days that I just could not miss and, of course, catch up with Mr. Van Jean in person rather than speaking to him on the other end of a microphone and a camera on my laptop. Specifically, though, when people want to catch you podcasting on Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station, what show are they looking out for? Well, um, we're soon going to be doing a uh, tin top specific um, show, which uh, title will be, and I can officially announce Bumper this, cars. Race, Race the Roof. Ooh. Um, so, obviously, so <laughs> Race the Roof. Um, we're waiting to confirm a couple of things in the pipeline, but it will be a one hour show, audio only, live on the nation's motorsport station that is Downforce Radio. And people should follow you on Twitter to get more details of that at at Alex underscore G 1977. All right, let's have a fight. Okay, we're going to talk about Liberty Media's insistence that they're going to leave the drivers alone because they know what they're doing. Ryan, did you have a word on that or something else? Well, we're weren't we talking about rules as well which i thought are we going to be adding in another allotted hour about talking about why uh we should install uh but uh dog colors to drivers for track limits and uh put mines on the side of tracks and stuff i i am getting quite a bit of a stick in the chat room for my views on track limits i don't think it really matters and yes by the way chat room this is a new microphone patreon paid for it uh it's the high lpr 40 so hopefully you're enjoying slightly better audio from that yeah we're going to talk about the rules chris because you tweeted out that you were in favor of the stance of liberty media that said unless it's a really obvious foul we're just going to let the drivers race you know let them be racing drivers and you think that you wrongly think that's a good idea I correctly think that's a brilliant idea because the sport has been too governed lately. There are just too many rules, like the the breaking zone rule that came in halfway through the season. That's my biggest gripe about it as well, is the fact that rules just sort of come in halfway through the season and aren't thought about properly. It goes back to what I was saying earlier about sort of knee-jerk reactions from the sport that don't really work out. Wait a minute, I'll stop uh, you I there like, though. Was, just, was it a rule that got brought in halfway through the season or was it a clarification on an existing rule? It, it was sort of a bit of both. Because was it? It doesn't feel like it can be a bit of both. Like Goldie, what do you, what's your interpretation of that? What, this is the I, rule, of course, about right, Max okay. moving gonna, in the breaking I'm, zone. I'm going to have a little bit of a rant here because of obviously with... Um, for those, I, I am going to say this, that I have just complete, uh, finished watching the entirety of the Rolex 24, where there were some choice manoeuvres, but race control were very fair. In how, But the thing is, there has to be some governance. What happened on this particular instance, reference Formula One, is because uh, we had incidents involving four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel. We had incidents involving uh, Max Verstappen, Daniel Kvyat. And it was a knee-jerk reaction. Okay, yes, they, the, the moves were very, very aggressive. 
Um, let's take, for instance, Max, uh, Max's move on the two Ferraris going into La Source in Spa, for instance. But he felt there was a gap. The thing is, is that his car apparently was not off the racing, off the racetrack. But the biggest problem that I have with what happens now, Spanners, was the disillusion of FOTA, the Formula One Teams Association, where they had representatives from every team. You had a panel of either current or previous drivers helping to manage the situation. Now, one of the things that I think is that when FOTA was dis disavowed it caused major problems so you've got drivers that are probably speaking to each other behind closed doors but not in a sense where they can help move the sport forward and that's the biggest telling point it would rather it would be better to have that than to have the fia and i'm not going to use a senate quote here in any sort of way shape or form because i don't need to reference it many people have seen the film center so if you know the quote, I'm not going to quote it. So I'm not going to give Ryan um, his joy there. Yeah, but I on. think Mr. Uh, Mr. Stevens will. But let me just finish quickly that without FOTA, there is no governance moving forward for the teams and for the drivers because that brought a bit of harmony to it. There were less knee-jerk reactions by the FIA and race control. And I think really Liberty need to put some sort of infrastructure in place to help the teams and the drivers move forward rather than sort of people trying to, you know, being t speaking on TV live on air and sort of shooting their mouth out before they've actually thought about it when they think, oh, that was a bad maneuver. I'm going to have a bit of a rant. Um, so, yeah, it, there needs to be some sort of structure in place where the teams and the drivers and Liberty can work together in order to make sure everything's fair, not in terms of the technical regulations, but in terms of sporting regulations. That's the biggest key here. Sporting regulations. You've been talking for ages. Let's hear from the chat room. Alex Van Jean says, again, really? You cannot move in the braking zone. Block capitals. Therefore, you can't argue with it. Reason one, they are very, very dangerous, that manoeuvre. No one wants to see aeroplane crashes. Uh, and Niall is agreeing with you in general, Chris. Your point was, originally, because I think we cut you off. Uh, well, Not yeah, that it I wasn't a great there rant. Should be, <laughs> there should be a less governance. I'm not saying no governance. Mm -hmm. I think you're trying to you twist it a little bit there, maybe, Spanners. But uh, I'm deliberately you know, using a straw man argument, yeah. So, yeah, so you're <laughs> saying there should be no rules. People can do whatever no. they want. Absolutely not. There definitely needs to be some governance. But there are, there are a lot of incidents in the last couple of years that I think were wrongly penalized and i'd say there was just racing like uh rosberg and verstappen in germany there is no way that rosberg should have gotten a penalty wrong for what he did well you you will you would say that when you spanish yeah. but it's <laughs> there are just uh, it's, it's almost created a, a nanny state in formula one i mean look at um uh daniel ricardo attempting that overtake on vettel at turn one in spain and um it, it didn't quite work off and vettel comes on the radio and says what are we doing here racing or ping pong and i just uh, the first thing that comes into my mind is just stop whining get on with it it's racing ryan well i was sort of thinking is if we've got an american company taking it over i was thinking the other day that uh because i was watching a load of british touring car stuff and i was thinking Hang on, am I watching Mertsport? Am I watching WWE? Where someone's having a uh, sort of an interview, then someone like um, uh, forgot who it is, like Anthony Reid, or so someone uh, is being interviewed, and Matt Neal walks in like full on in, in his face, like, "Oh, what are you doing there?" I'm like, 
I'm watching WWE here, aren't, aren't I? And so are we going to start getting it where, like, in media press conferences and stuff like that, people are going to suddenly start walking in, there's going to be fights going on during the press conferences and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't matter if you move in the breaking zone. Yeah, that kind of thing. And look, Chris, I'm going to disagree with you. Some people would shy away from debating with someone as weak at debating as you are. They would feel it was like kicking a puppy. Not me. It makes me feel like a big man. So I am going to disagree with you in that... Oh. You do need something to make you feel like a, a big man. I have you? a tiny uh, wife and a and a stool, and that does just fine. Hey, but look, I, I actually think what you guys are talking about was... <laughs> that is completely random, Spanish, I have to say. That is, that is the most random thing I've ever heard on anything associated with Downforce Radio in my life. All right, so what you're talking about, about the knee-jerk reactions to the rules, you're actually proving my point, because the fact that they need these knee-jerk reactions, the fact that they need to have four people in a steward's office coming up with a decision four hours later and annoying every fan. The reason we have this ambiguity is because there are no good sporting regulations. Now, as a kid, we used to play You Are the Referee. You would get these books. You would have newspaper columns where they say, in this situation, the goalkeeper, he picks up the ball and he holds the ball over the line, but his feet are in the area. You're the referee. What is the decision? You look in the books and you say, well, it's the ball that applies. He is outside. The ball is outside the area. It doesn't matter that the keeper's inside the area. Yeah, indirect free kick um, to the attacking team. And you can do that. You can't do that in Formula One because there aren't good rules. There are some rules on the straight. And the most famous one is the one that Rosberg broke in Spain that should have cost him the championship uh, when he closed the gap on Lewis Hamilton. You, the rule is you have to keep a car's width. Uh, from the edge of the track, so you can't you can't close that door if they have any part of the car alongside. You can't you can make one move and then come back, but if you come back to the racing line, you have to leave a car's width. There are that, those rules. The rules in the corner are entirely non-existent. There's very very few rules. There's this kind of there's a legend, there's a gentleman's code, but basically it's open to interpretation on a case by case basis. And you cannot tell me that one decision made is going to be the same regardless of which driver those those things evolve because we all have our biases so why not have rules like you can't go wide on an apex to force your opponent off the track why not just clarify what you're allowed to do then we won't have to make knee-jerk reactions because it will be very obvious who was in the right and who was in the wrong because you can't treat all the incidences the same like you said formula one it's not football every incident is very uh, unique and all i would have to say is just take a look at moto gp because that's no, got very much rules about its racing and it's a fantastically governed sport when it comes to handing out penalties uh, they've got they've, they've got a, a kind of general rule of uh, unless uh, an incident is you know completely ridiculous they don't hand out penalties for first and final lap incidents because, you know... No, but you, a, you don't have, like, a specific rule for every situation. You obviously can't do that. But, for example, you could say the rules would tend to favour, in a racing incident, in a corner, the person closest to the racing line. You could have something like that, some guidance that everyone can follow. But then that, that, that could be wrong for different incidents. Are you thinking, is the overtaking car going on the inside or is he on the outside? Is yeah. he further alongside? Is he actually ahead? Is he still behind? 
But I find it impossible that you you are, you are basically saying that there's no way you could basically give guidance to stewards on how they should make decisions. And more importantly, guidance to racers how they should behave in the corner when overtaking. Because at the moment, there are situations in Formula One where there's no blame situations that result in a crash. So what we're saying is you can have two race cars try to occupy the same piece of track. I think in Austin, Massa and Alonso was a great example of two cars not really doing anything wrong ending up occupying the same space of track because there's no guidance on what you're supposed to do in the corner. It's pretty clear what to do in a corner is to not hit each other. Yeah, but that's ridiculous because, how do you say not hit each other? There are going to be situations where you are both right occupying the same piece of track. So you've got to then lay down whose responsibility is it to get out of the way? Whose response, who's at blame if contact happens? For example, you could say the car overtaking takes the brunt of responsibility for overtaking maneuvers. That would give a lot more consistency in stewardship. I'm not saying that specific rule, but if you have a piece of guidance like that, you're going to get far more consistent stewarding. Okay, but the thing, you're, you're making these suggestions, but then, you know, like you said, that one wouldn't work. But well, I'm not, a, I'm not an F1 boss. <laughs> My thinking is that if we were to bombard the drivers with loads of different rules saying you cannot do this in this uh, particular situation, you can't do this, you can't do that, and all that sort of stuff, are we going to get to the point where the drivers are going to be more reluctant to like put their cars in different positions, so we're going to sort of sanitize the sport and not have a great deal of wheel-to-wheel awesome racing because... They're sort of a bit sort of thinking, well, shall I make an overtaking move or will I get a 10 second penalty if I try and do that and all that sort of thing? Yeah, and so you're making my point, Ryan, because if there was rules laid out, they would know in advance whether they were going to get a 10 second penalty for that. I'm going to read Forsaken's comment because it agrees for me. What's really maddening <laughs> is inconsistency uh, and waiting for the stewards to, stewards to determine the decision. That's it, Spanners. The current regulations don't work well enough anymore. The book needs to be rethought. The difference is, Chris, that the rules in MotoGP are much more well-defined than in Formula One. So, look, this is why you're so bad at debating. Your core argument, MotoGP, ended up proving me right. Thanks for that. I, to, I disagree with that. But the, <laughs> the thing is, okay, when you actually look at the rule book, it's not vastly different from, you know, what it was five years ago. It's the steward's attitude that's changed. Yeah, but the, the biggest thing that you've got to realize along with this is that you haven't just got a three, a uh, three person panel. You've also got an FIA's driver steward. So you've got the likes of Emmanuele Pirro, nine time Le Mans winner Tom Christensen, Derek Warwick, Nigel Mansell, amongst others who have actually, and, and they will see it from a driver's perspective. So in some respects, yes, it's going to be, ba- in, it's going to be balanced, but it's not always going to be the right call, whatever the panel decides, because they'll have to, it might just come down to a majority vote. But yeah, it's... So it is, more rules or less I mean, rules, I mean, Alex? Sorry? More rules or less rules? Which side do you I fall on? I think really less, but they still Ooh. have to be very, very defined. There has to be clear tolerances. Ah, actually, yes, there you go. I like that. And Esteban Garcia, a friend of yours, Chris, in the chat room? Yeah. There we go. Well, he says, in motorsport, they need to have clear rules. If not, chaos, like Argentinian races. Yeah, okay. Clear rules, but fewer of them. Well, there aren't any. Well, as, as, well, Seeing as, as there I aren't just, any, as so, I just yeah, said, as, yeah. as I just said, fewer rules but clearer tolerances on how far these drivers can push the limit. The thing is, is that in other series, including tin tops, and I'm not going to mention BTCC here, I'm going to talk DTM. The reason being is that there was a clash 
between the two guys going for the title in Hungary last year, and it was considered a racing incident. One came across, the other one actually stuck his nose in, whoops, and then another car gets taken out. Well, you can but have no cost. blame. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can define no blame situations. Like I think the the, yeah. the example with F- Fernando and uh, Felipe was a great example. And you say, well, in that situation, we know full well that both drivers were taking their lines irrespective of each other. That's quite a rare corner where you can take two such disparate lines. And you can you can define that in the rules. You can say that is a no blame crash, and you can have that, and that can be absolutely fine. What I don't get is this: just let them race, just let them get on with it. In what manner should we let them get on with it? Chris, I'll let and you and have the is, last word on it. Is, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go on, Goldie. Go on. You go. You go. Then, Alex. All I'm going to say, yes, in terms of defining on, oh, let them race. At the moment, it's still a very big grey area. I, I was going to say, what manner are they going to be driving in? Because, um, you know, they're not on the grid this season. Oh my God, that's a massive dad joke. I can't believe I held up your R post-it note just for that. Chris Stevens, have the final word on this, my friend. People are saying that you know that chaos is going to ensue if there are fewer rules about it. They're not. Okay, drivers still don't want to just hit each other, and they know that if they are obviously to blame for an incident, they will be punished for it. So this this is more about those few incidences where you know you've looked at a racing incident and thought actually that's fine, but a, ha- a penalty has been handed out anyway, which hopefully we're going to see less of, and that is absolutely right. And where can people find you on the internet, Chris Stevens? I'm not going to even mock your Twitter handle today. Oh, that's kind of you. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at cstevens underscore Jenner, and you can also find me on Downforce Radio uh, talking about bikes on the Lean Angle podcast. Oh, yeah, the Lean Angle podcast. Very, very good, even though it's about MotoGP and stuff like that. I even brought myself to to listen to bits of it. Very well produced. Well done. Thank you very much. Yeah, Full well, of confl- well, confl- you know, today's very well produced for a beginner you're getting there you're getting there and uh, and we should point out it's taken me eight months to get you to the point where you can do that well yeah <laughs> no defense there ryan ferret ferris at ferret 115 that's it not et uh you are joining me at simply race for some virtual racing action yes indeed and you know we're going to set the world on fire you know we we're are. we're going to win this for uh, missed Apex Racing. You well, know. this is it. We had two teams. We were going to have a Missed Apex and a SpannersReady.com team, but I think we're just going to have two Missed Apex teams now so that we can really dominate the back of that field. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll be beating the likes of uh, Bradley Fieldpart and that, you know. It's not it's not like they've been doing it for uh, a few years, you know. I hear he and is we've racing. we've been doing it for five minutes. See, the thing is, I, I've had one session and I'm still a good three seconds off. And now this is a touring car championship with some very, very good sim races. Uh, but well, Mr. Apex look, will be there. you just got to think about it. It's glorified banger racing, you know. Definitely. And it is a very immersive sim. It's a, it's a very, very good time. Goldie, you're not turning up for that? No. No, I've um, not been invited. I've had actually quite a few busy weekends recently, so I can't get to everything, Spanners. Fair enough, but there is a Downforce Radio team separate from Mist Apex, and they are our sworn enemies and must be defeated at all costs. Guys, we are going to get out of here. Thanks for joining us for some F1 news. Please come and join us on the Facebook group at, sorry, at, it's not Twitter, 
Facebook group, Missed Apex Podcast. There's about 250 or so people in there. That's my go-to place. That's where I go to to chat during the race reviews. Uh, that's where I chat on Facebook about news and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of the podcast panel hang out in there. So come and join us on there. Follow at Missed Apex F1 and at Spanners Ready. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. Do you think it was better after Matt left? Funny. I still thought it was fairly decent. It was alright, wasn't it? She just dropped him, really. Only because only because you're bitching about his mic setup that he's just recently installed. <laughs> no, it's not. It's because he's remained in the chat room afterwards. Even though he can't make the podcast, he's still got time to be in the chat room saying very, very bad things about me. In the words of Crichton from Red Dwarf, spin my nuts and spend me to Alaska. Wow. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.